Welcome. We're glad you could join us today. This is Pastors of the Roundtable, the discipleship podcast of Monroe Missionary Baptist Church, brought to you by Together in Christ, the teaching ministry of MMBC in Monroe, Michigan. Uh, we sit around the table and talk and encourage a thoughtful discussion about the Christian faith and connect you to the people and the ministries of MMBC. Uh, sitting around today with me is Matt Bates, music and media pastor, Scott Slater, family pastor, Tim Michelangeli, lead pastor, and my name is Spencer Snow. I'm the discipleship pastor uh, here at the church. We've been going through a series, walking through the Ten Commandments of Progressive Christianity, by uh, following a book by Michael J. Kruger. And um, so we've walked through the first two commandments so far, and this week we're going to talk about the third commandment. Scott, do you want us to introduce that to us and begin our discussion? Yeah, so this third commandment, it, it's going to sound very similar to the second that we were talking about. So the second one was affirming people's potential is more important than reminding them of their brokenness. But this one is the work of reconciliation should be valued over making judgments. And so it sounds very similar, um, like it's the same thing, but you have to get at the heart of what is meant by the, the commandment given there. So um, Michael Kruger's book, The Ten Commandments, he originally was exposed to these quote-unquote Ten Commandments through Richard Rohr's post. Richard Rohr's post that he sent out was actually based upon another person's book named Philip Gully that was written, I think, in like the 30s hmm. or something. Hmm. And so, but um, what Philip Gully meant when he said this, um, let me try to uh, find where that is. What, what he meant when he said this was um, that this reconciliation here is really getting at the heart of that the problems in our world are not necessarily the issues that you have with God in terms of like you have a need to be vertically reconciled <clears throat> to God. The problems in this world are due to the need of horizontal mm. reconciliation. So in other words, the true work of Christianity is getting people to be reconciled with other people, not getting you to be reconciled with God. Mm. And that's really what's at the heart of this, is that the work of reconciliation, which is like the work of Christianity, mm. that is what's important, not necessarily making a judgment and so making a judgment about somebody's sin and telling them like that is something that you will answer to God for, um, that is not the message of Christianity. The message of Christianity is trying to get people who are estranged from one another in broken relationships with one another to, to be reconciled. So there's actually a video that was posted on Instagram that is a great example of somebody who is saying this. I'm going to play it. I'm going to try to get it to where it recorded. And I'm like, it'll probably sound terrible, but... At least you all will be able to hear it, because I think it's just a great example of what is actually being talked about. theory for why Christianity is so historically misguided and how they handle sexual assault. It starts with the concept of sin. See, sin itself is a vertical relationship, meaning that God told you a rule, and if you break that rule, the victim is God, because he told you not to do it. The horizontal doesn't really matter very much. So whether you hurt somebody, an actual person, doesn't really matter. It's wrong because God told you not to do it, not because you harmed somebody. Which means that within Christianity, sexual assault would be wrong just because you broke God's rule. Which makes it no morally different than having sex outside of marriage. 
When your morality is vertical instead of horizontal, victims don't matter very much. Harm doesn't matter very much. It doesn't influence whether you weight something as a heavier or not. Instead, everything is kind of treated the same, which means that really small things are taken way more seriously than they should be, and really big things are ignored. So I have this theory for why Chris... So her point there was to show that seeing things as being wrong or right because of a concept of sin leads you to actually make really big bad things small and small things really big bad things. So she was comparing having sex outside of marriage and comparing that to sexual assault and saying that, like from her, in her view, I, I guess that based on what she said, she would say that those are not equally wrong things. Like, that, like that one of those is really bad, one of those is not bad at all. But this concept of sin, like a, a human being committing sin against God, seeing that as being morally wrong because of a vertical relationship, skews people's understanding of what is right and what is wrong. And in her uh, case, I guess, like what would be defined as wrong is, she said, there is something that does harm to people in that sense, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And so... So what kind of happens, what, what breaks down then if this is how we understand and define what sin is uh, in this kind of progressive Christian framework? Is if, if sin is what you do wrong against other people, mm -hmm. what, what, what's, what breaks down then? Or what kind of impact does that have on what we would understand as Christianity? Mm -hmm. Well, it then helps us to find brokenness like we talked about in the <clears throat> podcast before, I think. We were saying... What is their definition of brokenness? And it sounds like brokenness is just disputes with other people. Yeah. <laughs> it has nothing to do with your relationship with God. There is no brokenness between you and God. Mm -hmm. God loves you. God mm -hmm. cares about you, which would make sense. I mean, with some progressive Christians that I'm aware of and in their writings and some of the things that they teach, that would really make sense and clarify some things. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> and so it's just then about doing right to others. And so that's why, yeah, it makes sense. You're... you're uh, caring for the needy, you're caring for the marginalized, you're caring for the poor, mm -hmm. you're doing these things as an act to not sin, but if you don't do them, then it is sinful, I guess, in their eyes. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, then, like I said, you have no problem between you and God. There's no issues really ever. God's just like this uh, coach or this moral, this moral mm -hmm. coach there helping you along to be nice to other people, you know. Uh, <clears throat> But the problem is, we can't, we, we keep saying the same stuff over and over, I know, but we just can't be nice to other people. The only person in the world that we're good to is ourselves. We judge ourselves so much easier than we judge everybody else, right? We place other standards on other people that we just don't do to ourselves. In the end, it's always going to become about you. And if you don't want to be nice to that person, you're going to find some reason why you're justified in not being nice to that person. <laughs> I mean, that's just all there is to it. You can always work your way mm -hmm. around that and do that. We, we do that in our lives, even as Christians that I would say are faithful Christians. We fall into sin and we justify our sin. One of the things she did there is she, <clears throat> she kind of made it sound like the Bible has no, um, it doesn't differentiate from sins. Am I right? She kind of said that because she, she said if you uh, sleep, uh, sleeping with somebody outside of marriage is the exact same as like raping somebody in the Bible's eyes. Sin was sin. It's kind of how she made it sound. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's true. Right. I think the Bible says there's different consequences for mm -hmm. sin. Now, there's one main consequence yeah. for all sin, mm -hmm. no matter how small or big you think the sin is, and that's yeah. death, that's separation from God, right. which is our brokenness that needs to be dealt with. Mm -hmm. 
The Bible is very clear. If she's ever read the Old Testament, I mean, she would see when the law was given, there were different consequences for different sins mm -hmm. all throughout. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so there are different levels of, yeah. of sin. So that's that was a very wrong premise that she came up with right off the bat. Yep. Uh, that was a problem with what she was saying, mm -hmm. um, which again was a half truth, a twist on some words. Mm -hmm. That sin equals death. Yes, mm -hmm. that puts all sin, I guess, on the same playing field. Mm -hmm. But there are definitely different consequences, and I find a lot of people to be confused about that. Mm -hmm. Actually, as yeah. I come across people, yeah. well, because I mean, there's there's in a certain sense, I mean, like in what you find in James, like James says that if you have broken the law at any point, you're yeah. guilty of all of it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Condemnation-wise. Yes, yeah. condemnation-wise. But in terms of like whether or not there is a more severe punishment mm -hmm. civilly mm -hmm. or on earth because right. of that, like Scripture right. doesn't speak against right. that yeah. concept. Mm -hmm. you know, so I think like what maybe she has been taught wrongly possibly or mm -hmm. maybe her incorrect understanding of that is that that means that that all sin is on an equal playing field in terms of like our earthly existence and how we are to deal with it and mm -hmm. discipline those or to punish those that have committed sins. Mm -hmm. But you're exactly right. Yeah. And I mean, again, just going to how we justify things. I've heard people, like, you know, you hear of uh, some Muslim countries who they handle sin very different. Mm -hmm. You steal, we get, get your, your hand, hand cut off. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I've heard some Americans, I've heard some people say, I mean, I wish we went to that because we just wouldn't see stealing and stuff. And I'd be like, you know what? I'd probably have to cut your hand off. <laughs> You've probably stole before, and you're sitting here saying, yeah. and that's them, to me, casting judgments on others that they would never put on themselves. Mm -hmm. Sure. Well, when I did it, it was on accident, or I didn't yeah. really know, whatever the case might be. <laughs> and it's like, honestly, I don't know if you'd have any hands or feet, and I'd probably have to guide your, gouge your eyes out, too. Mm -hmm. I mean, if we're really... Mm -hmm. <laughs> but yeah, that's the standard we are willing to place on other people, yeah. but probably not on ourselves. And it's where we start to justify ourselves. And that's what, that's what this leads... That's what I think this leads to, is just more selfishness. You know, I'm willing to put that on you, but I can't put that on me. Or I'm going to give more grace to people I like. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. but not others. One of the questions I have, <clears throat> you you watched, you know about the video better, Scott. But like, it sounded like she was saying, whatever understanding she had of what Christians think sin is, is it's almost just a really arbitrary decision of what constitutes. Like, sin is almost just arbitrary. Like. It's not really um, so. It's wrong to sleep with your sleep with somebody who's not your mm -hmm. your spouse, or you know, or outside of marriage. Um, and it, it just kind of came across as if the Bible's understanding of sin doesn't really isn't really concerned about the benefit of other people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Did you guys get that? I, I don't yeah. know if like does that make sense? What I'm saying? Yeah, for sure. I, I yeah, I think I I understand what you're saying. I think she was coming from. Not not having sex outside of marriage in terms of cheating on your spouse, yeah, right? But in terms of just in right in, in general in, in the world's view, yeah. enjoying yourself, right? Right? You know, and right. and uh, and so I know what we would probably say to that in terms of that actually does harm to right. other people. Mm -hmm. I guess end. yeah, that's my question. It's almost like it's almost like <clears throat> the Bible's rules are just rules made up just to make up a rule. Mm -hmm. But yeah. I think it, that's a mis. I mean, I don't know if that's what she was completely saying, but. I think that's a helpful thing then we want to go to the the law because sometimes we can be honest in that sometimes if the law is detached from the lawgiver then the the law will seem just like a bunch of arbitrary commands that don't make sense mm -hmm. but when we understand who they come from he's the creator mm -hmm. of the world and he is concerned mm -hmm. uh 
you know, for for the well-being of his creation. Yeah. And so these are coming from love. Mm-hmm. And they are, Jesus said the summary of the Ten Commandments is love the Lord and love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. So the, 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 the Ten Commandments, the whole Levitical law, all of that mm-hmm. is requiring love of us. Yeah. And um, and so it has a content. It's not simply an emotion or a or a good intention. It's actually taking care of other people, as God calls us to. And God's told us what that actually looks like to take <laughs> yeah. care of other people. Mm-hmm. So it was almost like, um, I guess it goes back to the same thing. They have presuppositions. They they we we just have different laws then that we're going to try to set up and follow. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, and then. But then that's where God comes in, why it's so important to have God anchoring that because he's the, he's the, he's the one who gave it. And so we have a, we have a rational and a a theological basis Mm -hmm. for those rules and for those laws. You have it written down here. We haven't got to it yet, but this is what leads to churches focusing on, like you say here, social justice reform, Mm -hmm. where that almost becomes their gospel. Yeah. And you hear that That becomes the work of the church. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you hear that thrown around a lot right now from different pastors and different things is, you know, if you're not part of the social justice movement, then you're not part of the gospel because this includes the gospel. And so they, they take that word gospel. We've been saying it's important to define words and they're redefining it or they're adding to it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And you got to be very careful with that to adding adding to scripture and adding to the work of the church and what the work of the church is and mm-hmm. what the work of individual Christians are and all that different things. You've got to really have that designed and planned out according to God's word. And and <clears throat> this makes sense, though, of how people would get to there. Yeah. If, if my job as a Christian is reconciliation, then mm. I see myself then as, you know, a mediator. I see myself right. as somebody who, maybe not me and somebody, but maybe... I'm trying to reconcile Matt and Spencer to mm-hmm. each other. They have a problem. So I'm going to come yeah. as this one yeah. kind of righteous person yeah. <laughs> who sees the problem, and I want to solve it. I'm going to bring you guys mm-hmm. to the table, and we're going to solve the problem. And I'm doing gospel work here because yeah. I'm bringing people together. Mm-hmm. And that's and that's what should be done. Um, and no judgments. You know, this is a judgment-free zone. And see, like what he gets to, what Michael Kruger gets to, though, in his book is that what's, what's interesting is that this commandment undercuts itself. Because the work of reconciliation is impossible because the very idea of there needing to be reconciliation means that you have got to be able to identify a transgression. Right. And if you are not able to make a judgment about where the transgression has occurred, how are you supposed to be reconciled to somebody? Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's self-defeating mm-hmm. in that sense. Mm-hmm. And it, it ultimately falls apart and it doesn't work. And what you eventually get is as what is going to, I think, become more and more increasingly obvious is that the system in which progressive Christianity exists is not coherent. Mm-hmm. It, it does not, if you're looking for something logical that you're going to be able to like anticipate what's going to happen mm-hmm. and when, you're not going to find that. <laughs> right. And, um, but it does lead to the social gospel aspect of things. And again, like getting back to what we've already said, th- that there are half truths. Mm-hmm included here and it is true that part of the effect of the gospel in a community is that those who have sinned against each other or been living patterns or like have established a system that is based on sin those will eventually be corrected or they should be and so there is an element of truth to this 
But when you, when you rem like what they would advocate for in terms of removing the basis of what we call sin to be this vertical uh, aspect of, of how we define sin, then what, what you're saying happens. You remove any ability to say what is sin mm -hmm. other than what the community would say sin is. Yeah. I mean, the progressive church has really run with this, right, with the social justice reform. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've started to get a couple questions from church members here about it in uh, some different lights. And so people are, are noticing it, I guess, maybe more. But in the social just in the in the progressive church, you know, you see, you see the importance of this coming out very much. So they're the ones usually making those statements about the gospel and connecting it together. Um, uh, I don't know, seeking forgiveness for different things. They're very quick to mm -hmm. to say that, and that's their way of trying to reconcile, right? And if it's if it's important to them, I mean, if this, this to them, they see this as gospel work, then it makes sense then why they're doing that. It helps clarify, hopefully, to people to understand why they are starting to go that to go that route there, right? To be able to, I don't, I don't know if sympathize is the right word, but to be able to see kind of where they're coming from. Because I know for me, at times, I'm, I had a complete loss. Where is this coming from? I don't, I don't understand where this is coming from. But seeing something like this, you know, written here, that reconciliation is so important. Uh, over judgment and not reconciliation of you to God, mm -hmm. but you to others, mm -hmm. right? Because when I hear the word reconciliation, I'm instantly thinking myself to God. Yeah. Right. I need that first and foremost. Mm -hmm. And then once God does that in my life, then I can become reconciled to others. But I also see in Scripture, this is just true, I'm not going to be able to be reconciled to everybody. Not everybody's going to want to reconcile to me. Mm -hmm. It's just not going to happen. I can try all I want, and it's not going to happen. And the best way to live at peace with somebody is to get away from them, right? Is to be is to be away from them. I mean, that's maybe not the ideal. It might not be what I want, but it's what has to happen in order for there to be peace or whatever. So this idea that we can all just come together and hold hands and sing is... It's not going to happen. I'm not saying you shouldn't approach that stuff. I'm not saying you shouldn't try. Mm. You know, um, Racism is a big word and it carries a lot with it in our history in our country carries that burden right we carry that we can't doubt that we can't say that that doesn't exist we can't even say that today racism doesn't exist but we have to be very careful to start saying this is the task of the church to solve this yeah that's not the task of the church it should be maybe important to the church <clears throat> you need to be welcoming of people of all races, all socioeconomic levels. I mean, you can keep going. You need to love them and care for them and still share with them the truth of God's Word. You have to be willing to do that. In our own hearts as individual Christians, we need to look within ourselves to see, is there racist things in my heart that I need to, be, that I need to deal with because that's sinful? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we should all, we should all be, be doing that. And so I'm not trying to minimize the importance of those things, but... That's not the work of the church, and that's what they're. That's what this statement is: mm -hmm. is that that becomes the actual gospel work yeah. of the church to yeah. do these things. And so, you see a lot of churches lost, where their whole church is about their food closet or homeless shelters, you know, or these um, socio sociological movements mm -hmm. to try to better their community in certain ways financially or whatever it might be. That becomes their whole drive and their whole focus, yeah. and they're a church that is lost. Because what they have that makes them a light on a hill isn't money, or isn't isn't these. It's it's Jesus mm -hmm. dying on the cross, mm -hmm. and so it's it's getting twisted and it's getting uh, 
sadly, it's getting it's getting lost mm-hmm. um, in a lot of places and a lot of churches. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it's a touchy subject. I think you guys would agree with that. This this whole this whole subject of social. I mean, the Southern Baptist Convention is dealing with it, mm-hmm. right? Within our own convention, we're dealing with it, and there's infighting and all of this stuff going back and forth. Yeah. Um, so I guess we could sit and talk about it for a really long time, and some of our church members probably want us want us to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, well, something that that I mean takes take that would take it off the burner, so to speak, and make it not so volatile because it's happening right now is what was going on and what the conversation among progressive Christians was all about before issues of social justice were going on and racism and things like that several that started several years ago was LGBTQ issues mm-hmm. and uh, gender and homosexuality. And that was, that was the banner that progressive churches were flying, was equality uh, for, um, for homosexuality and for, for anything under that banner. That was the message mm-hmm. that was being pushed. Mm-hmm. And so we're kind of, I, would, I hate to say, kind of on the tail end of that, I think. Like no, that's, right. that's widely accepted now. Mm. And um, that was the work that churches were to be involved with. Mm-hmm. And it was a point of pride to put the pride flag on your church's sign to show that you were open and affirming church. Um, and it was considered to be part of your church's work to do that. And so something that, um, that Kruger says in his book, um, we've talked about some of this already, but one of the things that he says that I think is pretty obvious as you look at progressive Christianity and what's there, he says that to say we can never declare a behavior to be wrong is inevitably selective. He says, one curiosity of the progressive insistence that we should not be people who judge is that it is selectively applied. When it comes to sexual ethics, for example, we are told that we are not to judge others. Everyone should be allowed to express themselves as they wish. But when it comes to racism, environmentalism, abuse, or other similar issues, then apparently judging the behavior of others is allowable. It's in fact required. And so what he's saying there is that when it comes to seeing people, uh, like looking at people's sexual ethics, you're supposed to stay out of that and your people are allowed to do whatever they want. But when it comes to seeing instances of a person abusing another person within this kind of the culture that you see within progressive Christianity, then it is your job to call that person out publicly to ruin their life sometimes um, to like get them, like we've used the word canceled or whatever, when it comes to seeing a person who's maybe guilty of racism, <laughs> then it's actually your job to call that person out and make a public judgment about that person. You know what I'm saying mm-hmm. here? And so it's selectively applied. And um, h- how is it, um, this might be, I mean, this could be answered a lot of ways, but how is it then, you guys, how do you think it is then that you figure out what, things you're supposed to apply that to. How is it determined what you're allowed to make a judgment call about? I don't think there's a way. And that's why that's why it would scare me to death. Like it'd be it would scare me to death to be a single person today. I wouldn't even know how to approach a girl to ask them out because I'm gonna be afraid that I'm gonna be charged with sexual assault or abuse for saying something. I mean I've seen women who say they're offended because a guy said they were pretty. And it, it's out it's out on Twitter and it's out on these things and it's like these people you know and it's like I wouldn't even know what I wouldn't even know what to. I mean, I'd be scared. I'd literally scared to death to do that. I'd be getting in trouble for something that I don't even know. And so, 
I don't know that answer. I don't know how to know what is good and what is bad in a culture like that where there's no standard. There's no what is going to make somebody mad, what, what isn't. I mean, I'm so confused about today. You see certain celebrities getting canceled because of their past. But there's still musicians that we hold up in honor. And I can play you songs that they wrote in the 90s that is horrifying. Mm -hmm. It's horrifying that those words were sung and celebrated and on the top charts. Yeah. But they're not getting canceled. And it's like, why not? Why, why could they say it, but they couldn't say it? Yeah. You know, or, or even in sports. You've seen people get put away from sports, but you see this guy did the same thing. They're still, they're still fine. They're yeah. still in the game. Mm. It's like, I don't, I don't understand it. And I don't mm. think they have an answer either. Mm -mm. I don't know what it is at all. Um, which would make it a tough world to live in, a really scary, uncertain environment, yeah, at least sure. to me, to Ang be able to anxiety walk and live in Anxiety-ridden, for sure. Yeah. It's, I mean, again, <laughs> it's just law. Yeah. That's all it is. But and it's I like think, an unwritten law. That I, well, It's like it being is. in baseball. Well, I don't know what the unwritten right. rules are. <laughs> right. Well, and I think that's true. I think one of the things you see here is they call things sins that we would say are not necessarily sins, like being in the majority culture. We're talking about, you know, we talk about racism and things. And we're against real racism, but what is often regarded as racism today is simply being in a majority culture. That itself is not a sin, mm -hmm. but that is regarded as being a sin today. And so what actually happens is real sin, sometimes it overlaps, but real sin is, we would say, we would think things are sins that they would say are not sins, mm -hmm. like homosexuality. And then there are things that they think are sins that we say aren't sins. So we've, we've flipped over what the moral code is. They have a moral code. And I think that's one of the things that's almost a bit um, deceptive about these kinds of phrases. They are every bit about as dogmatic about the moral code they oh, have. Sure. Yep. And they, 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 they enforce it. And not mm -hmm. only are they like us and say we have a moral code, they think they are the avengers to enforce it. They don't even have verses like we have to say, ultimately, it's God who does the avenging yeah. <laughs> for this. It's not my job to avenge myself. Um, so they actually, in some ways, can be more vicious than... than uh, I get maybe, it. There are people who call themselves Christians who will do this right, kind of stuff as well. And I don't want to deny that, but if they're being consistent Christians, they're not going to do that. We're leaving it to God. And so I think, and also what happens is, is when, like Matt brought it up a, an episode or two ago, is worldly, th what this really is, is it becomes worldly theories then that determine what is sin, mm -hmm. not the scriptures anymore, not Ten Commandments stuff, not Bible stuff. It becomes theories out in the world that then become determining what is a sin, what is oppression, what is breaking this moral code. And that's the dangerous thing is because people then can't, um, <clears throat> they're, they're distorting uh, the, the righteous law of God, the holy good law of God. And it, it, it begins to, they, they can't be broken for their sin and brought to Christ but unless we, that's of course why we have the job to preach the law and the gospel, yeah. the true law. And maybe that's where, you know, to be fair or to be self-reflective of where the church has failed for decades um, I don't know. I don't want to put a date on it. I don't know when it would start. But where I think the church hasn't always said the statement, he will avenge, I won't. I think we saw the opposite happen a lot, where we took that into our hands as the church. Mm. 
And again, it's a fine line. We keep talking about these fine lines to walk. I believe in church discipline. I believe there's times you need to discipline a church member and even exclude them from the membership. Just say, you're not a part of us anymore, and we're actually going to treat you like somebody who's lost because we don't, we don't think you're even a Christian if you're going to act this way. Right? So there is that. Um, but where we've took things upon ourselves as a church to stand as conquerors for or to fight for, that wasn't necessarily the job of the church. Again, our job is the gospel. Mm -hmm. But we have, over time, taken where we want to fight for our country. And that's what you do if you're a, if you're a Christian here. Mm -hmm. Is that our task? Is that our job, right? Or we've taken on other things to where we've started to avenge, we've started to do some things, and maybe, maybe we laid the groundwork for the playbook of what they're doing, and they're doing it better right now <laughs> than we are, and we're facing the wrath of it. Uh, and so I think maybe some good self-reflection of the mm -hmm. church would be helpful because everything Spencer said is 100% right. Yeah. Yeah. We are not to be the Avengers. Mm -hmm. God does that work. Yeah. I think self-reflection too in the sense of, like take that, that, that woman on the video that we listened to at the beginning of this. She was talking about specifically sexual assault and why a view of sin as being primarily against God allows things like sexual assault to, to permeate churches. Mm -hmm. And... I th what she points out is something I think that is possibly true in that some churches, when it, allegations of sexual assault happens within churches, it's not treated as seriously <clears throat> as what it should be. Right. Sure. It's presented simply as somebody had sex outside of marriage. Mm -hmm. When really, if that was taken as seriously as it should have been in terms of like uh, damage and harm being done against another human being, the police should have been called. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And there, there's a lot. I mean, this has been another thing that's been going on in our own denomination for a while, uh, several years at least, of uh, issues of abuse within the church <coughs> coming to light. And that's, that is one of the charges. And like as you hear people's deconversion stories, that's something that comes up is sexual abuse was part of that deconversion story. Yeah. You know, I was treated so badly. When that finally came to light, it wasn't dealt with. Mm -hmm. You know, um, justice wasn't served in that sense of the police weren't called. The person that abused me was not taken to prison. You know, like the church just kind of brushed it under the rug. Like it was just another sin that this person could repent of. Mm -hmm. And I'm just supposed to forgive them. Mm -hmm. So I think that in that sense, like, Specifically, what she was talking about, we do as as like we need to be self reflective of like times when true crimes have been committed against people, mm -hmm. and where we as a church would absolutely say that that was sinful. In instances like that, we also need to recognize there are times when the church has failed to do the things that it should do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so I think just that specific <clears throat> example yeah. needs to be recognized. And least, she kind of made it sound like the church always just says, seek forgiveness from God, and that's it. You're done. Yeah. And that isn't true either biblically, right? If I sin against my brother or sister, I do need to seek forgiveness from God, but I also need to go to the brother or sister and deal with that relationship too. I mean, Paul would say that in terms of Lord's Supper, right? You guys need to be unified mm -hmm. in taking this. You're sinning against each other, not just God, but sinning against each other. Mm -hmm. And so there's something to be said in if I sin against you, I need to go to God and seek forgiveness there because I have sinned against Him, mm -hmm. but I also sinned against you. And so I need to go to you yeah. right, and deal with the consequences mm -hmm. of what that might be. And mm -hmm. what you're talking about are like big consequences mm -hmm. because we also have civil authority that God has given us who lay down laws in the land. And so as a church, we're supposed to respect the civil laws of the land. 
Um, and we're supposed to do that. And in our case, it would be, we need to contact the authorities because this happened here on our premise. And it's going to be embarrassing to the church. It might be embarrassing mm -hmm. to the family. But it's what we have to do mm -hmm. to honor God, but also to honor the person who, the family mm -hmm. who went through this. Yeah. yeah. Right. I think also <clears throat> while listening to somebody, if they, if that is a, a, a particular concern of theirs, uh, maybe they've experienced abuse or whatever that is, um, while listening and everything, I'd also like to ask them, um, and, and not while acknowledging the church's failures in those regards, but really if we go to the scriptures, the church was acting inconsistently with the scripture. And who actually has a better framework for protecting those kinds of people? Progressive Christianity or historic Christianity? Mm -hmm. I think we have really strong ways to argue for the fact that the church really messed up here and they mm -hmm. sinned and they, yeah. that were, they were wrong. But that doesn't negate the fact that the Bible, the commandments, the law and the gospel and how the church is supposed to function actually provide a stronger um, way of dealing with this evil. Yeah. Than, than than even progressive Christianity claims because that's the that's the thing right progressive Christianity claims that they have a superior way to deal with these kinds of things because I'm assuming that there are sinners too in that camp and there are people who embrace progressive Christianity who mm -hmm. may sin in that way too so the sin can be found in both camps the question is is really what system of religion or what system of thought and 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 really can can <clears throat> Can really supply the the, mm -hmm. the, the proper response to that. Yeah, I they, think it is. They say they're going back, right? We said right. that in another episode. They're going back to the roots, the historical roots of the Christian faith. In my mind, one of the times that that happened was the Reformation. There was abuse happening within the Catholic Church, right, and the, the papacy and stuff. Yep. They saw problems with it, and so where did the reformers go? They went to the Word of God, like, specifically. Mm -hmm. And just stuck to the Word of God. Like, yeah. This is what it says here, and this is what it says here, and this is what it says here. And you just just littered with it, and they're preaching all the time. And, and they found it important to translate Scripture so that the common man could read for themselves right. what the Word of God has to say. Like, mm -hmm. be right. in the Word and see what's being right. said. But here, in this progressive Christianity, they're going back to the roots. But like Matt showed on Instagram, and we in their books and everything, where's Scripture? They're not going back to the Word, which mm -hmm. is what has cemented us. And that's what Spencer was just saying. If you want to say who has the best system to um, support and help people of abuse, it's historical Christianity. It's the Word of mm -hmm. God has mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. Nothing else is right. going to have the same basis for that. Because, like, I mean, in the, I mean, just looking at it, even from an Old Testament perspective, if rape happened in the Old Testament, the per person who perpetrated that was to be executed. That was the law. Mm -hmm. Like, <laughs> no questions. I mean, like, that's what was supposed to happen. Now, of course, there was an appropriate judicial procedure yeah, for making sure that that carried like, out properly. Mm -hmm. But that mm -hmm. was what the law of God, and that shows us that God does care about victims. Yeah. He, he specifically reveals himself not simply in the New Testament, but in the Old Testament mm -hmm. as the father to the fatherless, as the one who cares for the widows and the orphans and the oppressed. And he warns against, uh, you know, distorting justice so he's very concerned about making sure those things happen and um and so i just think that that's that's very important for people maybe some of those verses people honestly just have never even seen and i think that could be helpful just to maybe that's maybe that's part of it too they just never seen those verses that are littered throughout the bible yeah. in the old testament and new 
Well, I think what you end up seeing is that what this ultimately comes down to is that the desire of, I think, people in this... I don't. It's hard to make broad sweeping statements because I know everybody has a different story, but what I think in the end comes through is that the desire is that they want a new system of morality to live by, which is selective. Um, it, it is almost always connected, as you'll we'll see later in this series, I guess. It's almost always connected to sexual ethics. They want to open the door to a new sexual ethic um, where everything there is allowable, but you have to change who your ultimate authority is mm-hmm. yeah. to do that. Um, I was going to say they're not being a, a subjective to scripture or anything they're only wanting to be under their own authority mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. they're uh, ob- objective. objective they're not wanting yes. to be objective yes yeah. yes they yes. are treating scripture subjectively yes subjectively yes. yeah and so it's inter- i mean like they i don't think they would be able to point to the passages in the old testament that you reference because in so much of everything else they're doing they're trying to tear down mm-hmm. what mm-hmm. A, the old testament would say right. against something mm-hmm. right you know and um so, so who yeah. wrote that book uh, on homosexuality a few years back? Matthew. Matthew Vines. Was that to so to the progressive Christians? Was that is that the that's the one? They don't need yeah. any more books because I don't mm-hmm. like see any other books coming out about that. They don't need any other. books. Yeah, it's almost like he wrote it. It shows the Bible's true. Right. I don't know why we need anything right. else. Right. And yeah. like you said, now they've moved on to more of the social justice reform. So you're seeing yeah. books trying to mm-hmm. in a show sense that's old that. hat now. Yeah, right. I mean, yeah. Yeah. it really it, is. It really is. Yeah. Like, oh, it's old news. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's like okay, he he nailed it. <laughs> and it's over. Right. And it's sad because, I mean, that book had been refuted mm-hmm. so easily by so many Christian scholars. But it, if that's the book they're taking yeah. for that, and now they've just moved on to the next yeah. to the next thing. I mean, as Christians, we have books coming out on books of the Bible all the time. Like, <laughs> stuff is, Yeah. Well, what's so sad, I think, I mean, another reason that that was maybe the only book, and I mean, I haven't researched it, and that there may be more out there, but that's the big one yeah. that was heard about, right? Yeah. It's because I, I honestly think, and I've had conversations with people about, about this that are, are homosexual. It's, it's not that they were necessarily searching for the intellectual interpretation. It's just that if there is, it's almost as if, if there's one person out there that sounds smart, Mm-hmm. that can validate what I want to be true yeah. with some kind of explanation from the Bible, then I'm going to hold on to that. Mm. And anybody that tries to refute it from then on out is, I think, just blowing in the wind because they didn't make the decision they did because they were convinced by an intellectual argument. Right. Right? It was mm-hmm. almost, it's more so like reading this as permission mm-hmm. yeah, right, to, right. to believe and do what I already want mm-hmm. to do. Because he, I mean, like, I've seen a video of him. <laughs> he's, a, he's a good speaker. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh, yeah. You know what sure. I mean? Like, Matthew Vines. Yes. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah. he's, he seems intelligent. He's captain. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I could yeah. see why people would look at him. It reminds me of conspiracy theories, though. Like, people who fall into conspiracy theories, it's like, I want this to be true. Yeah. <laughs> and this guy's saying this in a way that it could it could happen. And so, yeah, I really like this. I yeah. like this. It's kind of like that way right. of, of yeah. thinking almost. But yeah. I think one of the hallmarks of conspiracy theories, though, is that you're not open to, there's no way for your theory to be debunked. Yeah. And so that's what happens with people that do that. Because no matter, you have to, one of the best ways to know if somebody's a conspiracy theorist is to ask them, what what evidence could I give you? 
that would disprove your your theory, yeah, and yeah. they can't give you any right. because they'll always explain it some way. In some ways, yeah. that's the way progressive Christianity yeah. can devolve to if it's not careful. Is that there's no evidence? I can, how can I disprove progressive Christianity? Well, ultimately, I can't because yeah. it's just if you don't believe this, you're evil. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Pretty much. I remember. I mean, what I when we started going through this with the students, I I was telling them, and I I said this a couple episodes back. I think of how. If you go through deconstruction, one of you're going to end up on one of two sides. You're going to end up as a progressive Christian that now you think you have simply misunderstood Christianity. Right. And here's this true version of Christianity. Or you're going to end up as an atheist. And I was I was just very honest with the students. I told them, I was like, listen, if you doubt your faith and you go through a period of deconstruction, I do not want you to end up here. Mm-hmm. I at least want you to be intellectually honest enough to mm-hmm. say that you are not a Christian anymore. Mm-hmm. Sure. That would be a better place to be, mm-hmm. in my mind, at, sure. at the end of the day. Because it's essentially all you are at the end of the day, if you're a progressive Christian, is Christian in name only. Mm-hmm. But you've lost any sense of historic Orthodox Christianity. Right. Uh, and it really is sad because... It's not about whether or not Matthew Vines has a correct interpretation of the Old and New Testaments. It is, it's simply about just getting permission from one person. And any number of books that have been written to refute that specific thing, it doesn't matter. Because those, those, are, those are people living under the old morality. Those are evil people making judgments that are not interested in reconciling people and pulling out the best in people. You know? right, so it's, right. yeah, there's no winning with it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I just thought though too. Maybe I shouldn't have said that people are thinking that you're evil if you don't embrace progressive Christianity. But anyway, they probably would obviously disagree. Some people may think I'm evil, but I don't know if that even makes sense. What I'm saying. I mean, yeah, I mean, they, I, they could. I don't know if yeah. I was overstepping my bounds when I. I said mean, I that. think they're at least going to see you as the opponent. Or sure. misinformed, or yeah, in, yeah, just wrong yeah. or in yeah. error yeah. at least. I mean, you'll be part of the patriarchy. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> right. It depends on how deep they've fallen into the right. rabbit hole. Sure, that's true. That's true. Okay, well, awesome conversation. Um, I think we've reconciled each other <laughs> just in talking about this. Mm, I feel much better about you guys. Yeah, I feel feel really good about all you guys too. So, so. true reconciliation vertically and horizontally. Oh, yeah. look at him! Happened on the cross. It's oh, <laughs> that'll preach. Wow, prop guy. Wow, prop guy. Yeah. <laughs> Good night. Okay. Thanks so much for listening. We hope it's been uh, helpful, and uh, we look forward to being with you next week. Thanks so much. Take care. God bless.